0: This is Gutterball. The Lebowski Deepcast. Oh, it's a heist movie. No, it's a stoner movie.
1: In each episode, Brad and Adam discuss a single minute of The Big Lebowski. They were teasing this movie in a way that made it seem like a heist. Providing insight. His dance is just excellent. So graceful. Commentary. He shot it all on a green screen. You can't do a pickup. And conjecture.
0: He has found himself in a world turned upside down. And
1: now, (laughs) Gutterball. (laughs) That was the sloppiest week in a year and a half probably. For reals.
0: Well, you know, we are out of practice.
1: It's been so, it's been so very long.
0: Although it seems like just yesterday weeks, that I was weeks. across the
1: table from you gazing into your eyes. That's right. We had some gazing. We we were we were <laughs> we were gazing. There was an opportunity for gazement. <laughs> I was in utter agasement. Yeah, you came down here. That was awesome.
0: Yeah, that was it. Was really cool. Thanks a lot for. We uh, see each
1: other once every three to seven years, so
0: something like that. Yep. So we are due, and it was good. <laughs> right. You showed me a little bit of uh, DC and the Crystal City and all that. So it was good. The S-
1: city of crystals. It yes. was like Superman's Fortress of Solitude.
0: I know. I didn't realize they had that now. You didn't oh, think it was well.
1: actually like that, did you?
0: No, no. But there it is.
1: Both sides of the st- just lining the street.
0: Everything it's, was crystal. It's
1: magical. It's a magical place. Even uh,
0: the, uh, the, uh, the pizza. Tits
1: and chili. <laughs> the tits oh, and yeah, chili tits
0: were and, <laughs> made of Tits crystal. and chili was good. <laughs> that's a good, that's a very, uh, yeah, noble chain of uh dc eating establishments
1: (laughs) i mean you think you've had dc chili chili. you've gone to ben's chili bowl hell no go to tits and chili in the crystal city then you're living my friend i have this on very good authority so just everybody tits and chili in the crystal city you're gonna have to like go around to some seedy places and like because it's not actually called tits and chili but you'll never get in unless you find somebody that knows tits and chili and you say it, and then they'll tell you where to enter.
0: I'm just, it's such a great image. It's such a great idea. <laughs> I can just picture. It. It's like there's such a perfect opening to like some epic poem. Tits and chili in the Crystal City. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep, it's like Beowulf revisited. Speaking of revisits, do you have any revisits? Oh, I don't have so any. Long. Those right? I have no idea. Gone. Like who even knows? It, we're
0: gonna go through a single. uh This is gonna be a revisitless
1: episode, I think. I think because I have nothing. Yeah, screw Th- it. Thought maybe you might have had something, but no. Nothing. I should have known better than to fall in love with you. Okay. Uh. Well, what you did something, but then it didn't work. I was gonna like reference the website or something because you tried to do something.
0: I tried to do something, and it didn't work. You're right, but okay. I mean, well, it's just we just need some more time to make it work.
1: So if you go to gutterballs.tv, you won't see this.
0: No, you won't. It's not there. Well, I was trying. Right. You tried. Tried. I thought, right. you know, it's... It seemed to work. It, it's the time, right? It's that special time of the year. Hmm. You know, December here in the is, States.
1: Is that how men get it? Special time of the year?
0: <laughs> exactly. It's, like, it's that special, you know... We're only 8.5% uh, and and as bitchy. Time of the year for <laughs> for monetization.
1: Oh, I see. Ads. I see. I know why you're For were doing all your it. Christmas That's needs. Right. But it didn't, gotcha. didn't work out. Didn't work.
0: Didn't work. Something was screwy. I think so, the gist you know, of it I was, was. planning. I think we are, might have been able to make 80 cents. It's not going to work this time.
1: Next that wou- time. would have gone- some plans. <laughs> that would have really helped out for, you know, your budget yeah. for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every every dime counts, man. Every
0: dime counts. Well, you know, well, you know. I think when we started this, right, we said, you know, we're gonna, we had a goal that did we that this podcast would one day. It might oh. take us ten years to get there. But right. It might one day make us hundred airs.
1: Well, we're going too fast then. Yeah, because we're going to finish this in like three years instead of ten. We should slow down. Well, it's the, I think this is eternal. I mean, what are we, machines? I really feel that way. What are we, TARS in CASE? Okay. Uh, oh, now you, oh now you did it. Oh, boy. Now
0: you did it. Oh! Mentioning can't. the Uh-oh. robots from no, Interstellar.
1: I think it's too much. It's too much too soon.
0: It is, but... <laughs> those are some great robots. I was listening to the previous episode we recorded like three weeks ago. yeah. And we, we were talking about Interstellar there. Well, I saw it again in we're the like, theater, just though. I saw it. It's like, yeah, I can't talk about it. So right. It just came out. So... And here we are now. It's like three, four weeks later.
1: But I saw it twice in the theater. I didn't see it the third time because we got caught up with something else. But I'm going to see it a third time in IMAX. So... Because, remember, we talked about that I'd only seen Batman, like Michael Keaton Batman. Twice in the yes. theater. Yes. Only movie. Well, that record is now no longer valid. It's besmirched. It's been besmirched, and it's about to be three-smirched, I guess, because I'm going to see Interstellar a third time in IMAX. So that'll be three times.
0: Michael Keaton, Tim Burton, Batman, you're just going to have to take the back seat.
1: They had a good run, Brad. They had a 25-year-long run. Yeah. It's nothing to sneeze at.
0: You know, Nolan, that's what he's been trying to do. He's been like, I'm going to make Adam go to one of my movies twice, maybe even three times. And he thought, he thought the way to do that was, was inception. by making Batman movies. Because you saw that first Batman movie <laughs> twice. was like, all right, I'm going to make some Batman movies if I can get Adam to go to see <laughs> oh, it twice. Didn't happen. Shit. You weren't buying Nolan's flavor of Batman, I take it.
1: Well, I love Nolan's flavor of Batman, but I just didn't feel the need to see it in the theater. Yeah. I don't know why that is. I, well, I saw The Dark Knight in the theater. But not twice. No, just once.
0: And so I saw
1: he? The Stupid One in the theater just so, once. So then Nolan was
0: like, well, what else does Adam like? Let's go into the archives. <laughs> and he found... What did he find, Adam? He found... Lifter. The space movie. Oh, this even worse. And he was like, okay, maybe this will do it. And lo and behold, fourth time was
1: a charm. Yeah, because in between there was Inception, which I guess you could peg as some sort of like um, Adam and E type of situation, perhaps. Yeah, true, true enough. And they thought that was going to do it, and that didn't do it either.
0: Pretty much you come up with all the great ideas, Nolan perfects them. And takes all the credit.
1: Well, he's... How does... How to? Do,
0: Granted, how, in Nolan's defense, ideas are easy. Execution is hard.
1: Oh, absolutely. How does he get all these... But he doesn't, like... He didn't design those damn robots, Brad. He didn't design the spacesuits. That was Mary Zoffries and this crazy robotics guy. Yeah. So, like, he gets this army of... Immensely talented people all around him, each of whom is probably just as talented as him, and then they make this amazing thing.
0: Yeah. Well, the the script for for uh, Interstellar was originally written by his brother,
1: by himself. Because I know they write together a lot.
0: But... Yeah. I don't know. Maybe like it was originally by his brother, then they worked together to you know flesh it out or you know on further revisions. But what I read was. His brother originally wrote it, and it was mostly about the robots, <laughs> and they were like anthropomorphized robots.
1: Right, I don't like that. And um, are we are we TARS saying too was much? Like a okay. small
0: robot, and Case was like giant, like twenty five feet tall. That's a much much different movie, isn't it? It's a somewhat different movie, yeah. But then they ultimately refine the idea, and it's still kept to this idea of like, you know, what is kind of like, you know, the human drive versus a machine, right? Because I think there's maybe an unasked, no, not a, no, no. I guess they addressed it. They do address it head on. on. Why couldn't we just send these robots on these
1: missions? They can't adapt, Brad. Yeah, you. They can't improvise. Improvise. They can't Well, I mean, I think
0: these robots, they show a fair level of improvisation, but they don't have that same drive, especially that same survival instinct.
1: Hmm, maybe. That will... You're right, they do improvise a bit, but... Yeah, it's the survival instinct, I guess. I don't know. I think we're saying too much.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, that's it. Interstellar time is done. Okay. Ping! Boom! Now, (laughs) we can talk about The Big Lebowski, Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Do you have anything else before we? No, let's. Just... I have to say, this minute. Well, should we play the minute? Let's play the minute and let's then. play the minute and then right. I'll have my just initial fawning, effusive reaction to just how awesome this minute is. So let's go. <laughs> okay. Is this your homework, Larry? Is this your homework, Larry? Look,
1: man. Dude, it...
0: please. Is this your homework, Larry? Just ask him about the car, man. Is this yours, Larry? Is this your homework, Larry? Is that your car out front? Is this your homework, Larry? We,
1: we know it's his fucking homework. Where's the
0: fucking money, you little brat? Look, Larry. Have you ever heard of Vietnam? Oh, for Christ's sake. You're entering a world of pain, man. son. We know that this is your homework. We know that you stole a car and the fucking money and the fucking money. And we know that this is your homework. We're gonna cut your dick off, Larry. You're killing your father, Larry. all right this is pointless okay it's time for plan b you might want to watch out that front window larry son this is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass all
1: right well bring it back then all right just like this i think that's good enough to bring it back okay doesn't doesn't need to be fancy
0: okay doesn't need any beeps or anything. No
1: beeps or like swoops or wishes or
0: nothing like that. Okay.
1: Hijinks.
0: This is such a spectacular minute. Why like do you say I that? If I had to show someone that never saw the big Lebowski and they said you can only show them one minute, this might be the minute.
1: I don't see and
0: I, I didn't really realize it till I had to watch it. Okay. But this encapsulates the dude and Walter so well. The comedic timing of the two of them working together in here is just brilliant. The kind of deadpan shot just like the just the uh yeah, their their delivery. I wanna I was gonna say the shot is deadpan. I don't know what that means, but again, just like this kind of like
1: No, I okay, know what you mean.
0: We're just gonna like straight on these two guys just kind of making asses of themselves. It's kinda of bizarre. They're like cursing out a kid. Dude starts losing his shit, has Two, not one, but two iconic lines are contained within the 60 seconds. Yes. We have, yes. is this your homework, Larry? Is
1: Everybody this your homework,
0: knows it. Larry? And it ends on, this is what happens. This is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass, Larry. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> it is pretty good. All right, time for plan B. Like, there's so much. Like, this is a highly, highly concentrated dose of entertainment. And while there's other maybe minutes, like maybe a minute with the Jesus or something that might be more. Thank you. Laugh out loud, spectacular. This is, th- again, that was just, that's like a. This is, though, this minute is much more like the heart of the movie, representative of the whole movie, I feel.
1: I was completely ready to dismiss what you were going to say as like overpraising this minute. Because I kind of thought it was going to be like awesomeness encapsulated like you're describing and just like burst into a million shiny colors. But I wasn't so enthralled with it this time around. But hearing you describe it like that...
0: My enthusiasm
1: is infectious. I think it's a little infectious. I think I'm coming around to the idea. I don't agree that like, showing this minute to somebody, it's like this is what The Big Lebowski is all about. I don't think that's accurate because... I think we have a lot of built up notions, some preconceived notions about these two, the dude and Walter. We know them now at this point. We're 72 minutes in. That's an hour and tw- what? An hour and 12 minutes of our life that we've invested and the dude has been in every scene like we know these guys now. So we're invested in their character, we're invested in their story. So I think You know, the dude can, like, stare straight ahead at Larry and nod his head, and we find that pretty funny, rather than somebody who's never seen it, and you say, here's what it's all about. I I don't think that's fair. I think the Jesus scene would be more like, this is what the Big is about. The Jesus scene might do
0: more to sell it, like, as in a trailer, as in, like, okay, after you see this, you're going to want to buy the ticket and take the ride. But I'm going to say this minute is more... I mean, you're, you're right. I'm not saying this is the minute that would make someone want to watch this movie. I'm saying this is a perfect representation of the movie and of these two characters. And without a doubt, though, you're right. You know, because it's hard to separate because we have this history. We're already so amused by these characters. Like, I don't have to even do anything. I just have to, like, see a picture of Walter Sobchak, and I'll just start laughing hysterically. Like, that's it. All right, or taken, I'll start cheering, I'll start pumping my fist in the air. <laughs> yes, yes, Walter! <laughs> like, that's it, right? That's all it takes. So,
1: But taken to the logical extreme, isn't that kind of what you're arguing? Like, that's the soul of the movie in many ways. It's like Walter like staring somebody down with that. T- so follow your reasoning out, and here, here's a picture. This is the perfect representation. But, again, I don't think we should really separate between what's the heart of the movie and what's going to like pump somebody at, up to see it. Shouldn't that be the same thing?
0: No. Well, I guess the reason it wouldn't be is because, I mean, you could show that Jesus scene to someone and they could be like, that's flipping so sick and crazy and awesome. Like, yeah, I want to see this movie, but then you might be disappointed that that that's the only, I mean, there's one other scene with him in toward the end and that's it. It's not actually okay. a movie about a guy in a purple jumpsuit that's a pederast.
1: All right. Well, then, you know, Silence of the Lambs isn't about a serial killer named Hannibal the Cannibal, either. But he won Best Actor, the Academy Awards, even with 10 minutes of screen time. So it doesn't really matter really? that the Jesus is... Yes.
0: So there's a fun little factoid that I did not know. And I've seen that movie. and enjoy it immensely. A, it's a- great movie this one is that's like a cinematic illusion cinematic illusion in some ways like watch this movie it's like oh wow it's all about anthony hopkins be like no he was just in it for 10 minutes
1: oh i see what you mean right yeah i no, think it's like, total... it's like
0: you know like which of these lines is longer well obviously it's the one on the bottom no they're both the same length dude right
1: one of the right, Get right. out
0: yeah i gotcha it's one of these things like well no he was the star of the movie no, right he's, he's a, a star for of the 10 movie minutes
1: Silence of, oh, here, I'll look at it. Silence of the Lambs, Anthony Hopkins, Screen Time.
0: Yeah, I have noticed this in some other things, too. That kind of illusion.
1: Well, right. Wasn't I mean, I have not seen these movies. I really want to just go on a binge and watch them all, but Fast and Furious, the The Fast oh. and The Furious. Wasn't it supposed to be a Paul Walker vehicle, but then Vin Diesel ended up, in the show or something well they've had he's, a, he's a different kind of
0: take on um they've had a different kind of cast that went through there yeah i'm not sure what it was originally meant to be i will say the yeah the sequel to that movie did not have vin diesel in it too but fast it paul, too furious but it had paul walker in it so it kind of continued his story but then the third movie hadn't i believe it had none of them in it
1: three fast three furious
0: yes but then no. Vin Diesel did make a little cameo at the end and it kind of tied it together. Mm. And then I think from kind of the 4th on they kind of settled on the the cast. Really uh the 4th movie which I believe was just called Fast and Furious.
1: Okay. I was real, I was trying to memorize all of these cuz there's like 7 or 8 and there's one coming out soon. Yes. That may have been Paul Walker's last movie or something. Yes,
0: it is. And, oh, the trailer for that is kick-ass,
1: I it's think. It's pretty kick-ass. I saw that.
0: Yeah, like, it, it starts with the whole job, how they're taking out that, whatever, that command center tractor trailer thing. Right. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, that's what that movie series is, it, has, it just has those type of set pieces. It's just awesome. I'm totally dig it. Totally dig it.
1: Yeah, well, you're a big, you know, transporter fan, too. Yeah.
0: I'm into some car, cars (laughs) on film, doing cool shit. I'm into that.
1: I'm into that. I can't believe it's we're way into this. I haven't told you this. We're talking about cars. So I was just on a trip. I went down to Old uh, Sunny Florida, and we landed at the airport in Tampa, and I went to the rental car agency. I walked up to that counter and I said, "Now listen to me. You got any cool. challengers?" Cool. And he said, and he immediately looked over to the keys, He's like, "As a matter of fact, I do." I said, "I'll take it." Nice. So we were driving around a Challenger for three days. Nice. You know those sexy it, beasts. How was it? How was it? I didn't love it as much as I thought I would. It was, it was just kind really of like
0: driving a uh, an Acura.
1: No, not at all. It was very different than that. It was like driving a... It was very boat-like. Like like bulky. The thing seemed really, really bulky.
0: Like like bulky? Like Perfect Strangers? Bronson Pinchot?
1: Not Bronson Pinchot. Not the guy from True Romance. More like larger than it should be to be a sport vehicle. A sporty vehicle. It should be...
0: well, it's muscly, right? It's a,
1: right, it's muscly. It's more but seeing them on the road, I figured it would like dart it's, around a little bit more. Right. But no, it's just like It was kind of logy. Yes. And straight up power. It was just like it didn't seem to go from like 0 to 40 too fast, but it would go from like 60 to 90 really fast. I all see. things considered. Especially I when you're on I4 at night. And it doesn't really matter what you do, because it's like Thunderdome down there. Yeah. So it had its moments, but it wasn't as... I guess I just had the wrong idea. I thought it would be more like maneuverable instead of just straight-up muscle. But it's just straight-up muscle.
0: Some type of uh, little import job for that.
1: Yeah, some kind of Fiat or something. Still sexy as hell, inside It's comfortable and i know i looked like a badass driving around so there was that well, that's
0: what it's really all about what you right. look like
1: looking like a badass you want to look badass doesn't matter what you are as long as you look good and what people think of you
0: so cinematic illusions you know another cinematic illusion that i discovered fairly recently
1: um die hard wasn't real no. that's not a true story
0: wait it's not a true story I mean, I knew it was a fictitious... For,
1: this is Christmas time. I don't want to get into, like, just let's move on.
0: So this is a Nakatomi Star Trek. Nakatomi Plaza. I'm going to go into Star Trek here.
1: <laughs> Wait, can I... Be, yet, before go you go... Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Do you, how well do you know Die Hard, though, seriously?
0: You know, I don't know it that well.
1: Okay, forget it then. Takagi Akagi. I just... It's something that always bothered me. Well, I'll just write it down. So maybe one of our legions of fans can answer the question for me. I'll put, it, I'll put it on uh, Facebook or something. Okay. You go ahead. Star Andrew Trek. Andrew
0: Robinson, I believe, is his name.
1: <sighs> Andrew Robinson.
0: Andrew Robinson? Could that be right? Well, I'll just go with it. Yes, Andrew Robinson there. But Google confirms it. He played the Taylor, Garrick, in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. In my mind, a major character in the series. The Taylor? Must have been in like every episode.
1: Who's the Taylor? Well, like he makes all their uniforms.
0: He made clothes. If you okay, so here you go. You asked, man. You're gonna
1: open the door. <laughs> I mean, they go down to a planet, and some like sexy alien rips uh, what's his nuts's uniform, and he comes back up, and he has to have the tailor stitch it up.
0: No, but um, so Deep Space Nine, right? It is like this kind Cisco,
1: of Cisco. Sorry, I didn't remember his name. Cisco. Yeah.
0: yeah. The thong, the thong, the thong, the thong. <laughs> there was a. Uh... Uh, it was like perfect. Breath thong song. They rhyme. It's like, why didn't anyone ever make a th- song about
1: thongs? There's not. They were just leaving a money, shit money ton on the ton table. Of words. So Cisco was like, there... fuck! <laughs> that rhyme with song. Gong, maybe. Thong. Bong. Kong.
0: Kong, 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 kong you See, they, Peter Jackson missed an opportunity to incorporate that into his remake of King Kong.
1: Pong. The Taylor. No, no, Fong. Yeah. Wikipedia yeah, describes as a few.
0: An, an enigmatic, darkly comedic foil to the character of Dr. Julian Bashir. However, Along. he became a very key player in a lot of the ongoing storylines. John. And he was only in 37 of the 176 episodes. Go figure.
1: Of the how many,
0: hundred and seventy six.
1: Well, that's still most of them. Robinson isn't that?
0: was only in thirty seven.
1: It's a majority.
0: Not a majority.
1: One thirty seven out of one eighty six. No,
0: just thirty seven.
1: Oh, just thirties. Well, just that's not a that's lot. Twenty one
0: point zero two two seven two seven two seven percent.
1: Well, considering I've seen probably twenty to thirty episodes. Update Space Nine, and I don't remember this character at all. That sounds he, about right.
0: All right, all right.
1: Because I don't know who this... I mean, it sounds really stupid.
0: He played Garrick.
1: The tailor. Let me fix who your uniform. was a tailor,
0: but he was much more than that. He started out as just a tailor, but he was really... He had a secret pass, and he was a spying assassin, and all types of things.
1: Didn't the weird semi-sensitive Klingon, like, get... A promotion to be on Deep Space Nine?
0: Weird, semi-sensitive Klingon. Yeah. Worf?
1: That's his name.
0: Worf was on Deep Space Nine. Was it a promotion?
1: Because the other guy, the Scottish guy, the weird fella. Miles O'Brien. O'Brien. He was head of security, right?
0: No, he was chief of operations.
1: On Deep Space Nine?
0: On Deep Space Nine.
1: So did he outrank Worf?
0: No, because he was not an officer; he was simply an
1: enlisted man. Oh. ooh. Sorry to bring it up. Yeah, touchy subject. Ugh. <laughs> Sorry, O'Brien. <laughs> no offense, old chap. Ooh, what a faux pas. So Wharf was like way above him then. A fopah. A faux pas. So it was like a lateral move for Wharf. Do you think?
0: Um. You know, you'd think I would know this pretty well. You know, it well, could just have spitball been, it, Brad. I'm going to say it was spitball. a promotion. I'm just going to throw it out there. It, or if it wasn't, cause he Steve's, got a promotion. I believe he got a promotion at some point during the series. I said, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to call you Lieutenant Commander Wharf
1: now. Oh, I mean, that's got a much nicer ring to it, doesn't it? Yeah, Lieutenant Commander? Lieutenant <laughs> well, when he started Commander, out in it's Star Trek awesome next Generation,
0: season one, he was Lieutenant... J.G., Lieutenant Junior
1: Grade. Oh! burn! I I burn! Emb- I got embarrassed f- for everybody just then. It's like when you see a really, really bad commercial or something, and you're s- sitting in a room maybe with family members, and who knows, maybe a friend or two, and, and like the commercial is so bad you get, just get embarrassed, and nobody wants to look at one another because it's that bad. That's what junior grade is like. You just don't bring it up. It's like when people get too old to make old jokes about them anymore. That's when you know you're really old. When people stop saying, oh, you're so old. Yeah. Don't get that old, Brad. Keep away from that that much oldness. Slow it on down. Maybe swing swing past the old uh, gargantua. It'll slow everything down for you. Sorry, I said I'd stop talking about it. Damn it. <laughs> All right. Are you growling?
0: It was kind of a growl, and it's a mixture between a growl and the fact that I have this cold
1: that just won't end, no matter what. You still have that thing? Yes. So instead of coughing, you were trying to like growl it out? I sometimes try to growl that stuff yeah, out of there. Growling
0: out. You know, it was kind of like a... Uh, Well, you know, I think this might be like a second cold because I had this cold. It was killing me. And I felt like I was getting better for a couple days. And I remember thinking, like, all right, I'm getting better. Two days in a row, I felt successively better. It's like, all right, you know, another day, two days, I'm going to feel back to normal. And then, bam, I felt like worse than ever.
1: Like even worse than the first time.
0: Yeah. Just came back. But you think it was
1: something new somehow.
0: Well, that was, you know, I hadn't considered at the time, but today, you know, retracing the uh, steps of this cold in my mind, I was like, perhaps that's what happened. It's like, you know, I had the cold, you know, strain A, and now I have cold strain B. I'm just like, a one-two
1: punch. Do you think it's the same thing that just, you know, evolved? Did it mutate into something else or is a completely different deal?
0: I'm thinking, it's like, well...
1: Did it have time say to... a different feel or a different deal? A different deal. It might be a completely different
0: deal. That's just a theory. I don't really know. Because hmm. that's a long time now. It's over a week. It's well over a week. It's almost... It's coming up on two weeks. Ugh. It's been rough, man. That's awful. I'm sorry, man. I'm getting addicted to NyQuil.
1: Yeah, you gotta be careful because... It loses its effectiveness. I'm just and like... Next Next thing you know, you're only sleeping for three hours.
0: I just feel like I just, you know... Why go to sleep without NyQuil?
1: NyQuil just makes you fall there.
0: asleep so nicely.
1: So nicely. And just you sleep soundly.
0: Take it every night. Cold or not.
1: <laughs> you know, it used to knock me out for like... Eight hours, nine hours maybe. Now... Four hours, wide awake, like like a just snap awake, bam. Yeah,
0: is that so? You're saying like it's not just so you're saying it's like a lifetime long immunity is built up or a uh, not immunity, but why can't I think of the word? But yeah, it's like lifetime long. Like even though you only maybe use Nyquil once or twice a year,
1: no, only if you drink lots of beer and rum, it loses its effectiveness.
0: Okay, so you're saying the, NyQuil that put, the thing in NyQuil that puts you out is alcohol.
1: It's alcohol, that's right. It's I alcohol. I don't
0: think that's true. Maybe you don't it's think? true.
1: I think that's the main the main catalyst for it. Because the only other active ingredient, it's like, what, it's got a little what acetaminophen in it or something? And it has like what, three like, active ingredients. It has something... Like, well, alcohol... But I thought it was something
0: more like maybe akin, like not codeine, but maybe something in that family or something like the same way like like codeine can
1: can kill. It's like like or something.
0: Yeah, there's like something in there that really, really hits you hard.
1: Hmm. Who knows? And I don't think it's anything that...
0: Because I don't think, because I mean, I don't fall asleep that hard if I'm, if I drink, even if I drink heavily. It's not the same experience.
1: Well, you're probably right. I think there's Oh, it's the dextromethorphan. Yes. Because it has a cough suppressant. Yeah, I don't know. It's got the dextromethorphan.
0: (laughs) Well, we have to compare the active ingredients from NyQuil to DayQuil, right?
1: Well, we're not going to talk about dextromethorphan hydrobromide too much, are we?
0: No, not one bit. Not one bit? (laughs) So we'll go back to Big Lebowski. How about that? Is this your homework, Larry?
1: (laughs) Acetaminophen, dextromethorphan, doxylamine succinate. That's that what it's sounds got. Sounds like the thing that might do it. Doxylamine succinate. Yeah, it's an antihistamine. Oh, slash hypnotic.
0: What? Yeah, and I think antihistamine is the kind. Of antihistamine.
1: Antihistamine. <laughs> Please, You're can you drop a too big, many, uh... big one of those on DC? Yeah. Exactly yeah, You're wearing too many skinny jeans And Warby Parkers Get the fuck out of here
0: Yeah I need an, amst- an anti-hipstamine
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Jesus No, but uh, doxylamine succinate Antihistamine slash hypnotic well, Hypnotic, That sounds like something
0: that, Well, you know, maybe you don't actually sleep through the night You actually just end up doing the Dark Lord's bidding And you don't realize it
1: you know, you wake up refreshed, so who gives a shit? I'll do the Dark Lord's bidding, as long as I don't remember Well, there
0: it. is the answer. It says a hypnotic is a class of drugs whose primary function is to induce sleep. So there you go.
1: Hypnotic? Why wouldn't they just call it a sleeping aid? Why well, yeah, call I it know. a hypnotic?
0: Well, I guess hypnos is Greek for sleep.
1: But, so it's stranger it at that this we point?
0: use... What's that?
1: Can't we just call it sleep at this point? You gotta uh, use the Greek word, man. It's science. I mean, when was the last time Greece was around? It's like three thousand years ago. Let's get over it already. Have our own words.
0: Let's get with the vernacular.
1: The preferred vernacular
0: in the parlance of our times.
1: <laughs> nice. Nah, that's all I got. You beat please. me. You win that one. Hypnotic
0: is not the preferred nomenclature. Sleeping pill. Please. <laughs>
1: Yes, good. Listen, you already beat me. You don't have to rub it in.
0: It's just so rare that I I beat you. This might be the first time in a whole podcast I beat you in a Lebowski. I'm
1: writing this down, okay?
0: (laughs) No, it's not the preferred (laughs) nomenclature.
1: (laughs) That was really good. You get like 17 points for that, I think. Nice.
0: Brings my total up to 19.
1: 19. You had that one back in like Ep twenty seven or something. Yep. All right, shit, hypnotics. I had no idea. I am still looking for the stupid Anthony Hopkins. Like, how much screen time did he have?
0: Right. I mean, in all that time, I found out how many episodes Andrew right. Robinson just was in Deep Space Nine. Fuck
1: it on fire.
0: <laughs> Is this your homework, Larry? <laughs> have you ever
1: heard of Vietnam, Larry? <laughs> the dude gets so frustrated at that. Okay, it's 16 minutes. I'm sorry. 16 minutes. Look,
0: Larry, have you ever heard of Vietnam? For Christ's
1: sake, 14% of the film. For Christ's sake, Walter. He gets so frustrated. So he's in 14% of the film. 14% of the that's... film
0: sounds like a lot more than 16 minutes. Just saying. Not really. To me, it
1: does. Well, how long is a movie? We'll Wait, say two 14%? hours, right? percent Percent. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay,
0: no, I got you. Got you. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, which is about 16 minutes. Yeah. Right?
0: No, you're right. No, you're right. I'm saying, I'm What's not saying, I'm not saying that math is wrong. I'm just saying, to my mind, right? Because this podcast, a lot of it is just about the things that are in my mind. Were you my doing weird the misconceptions?
1: Um, were, were you doing the like 14%? equals 14 minutes out of an hour thing i do that sometimes
0: well uh, that's where i got that wasn't what i was originally doing i took a little detour there where i I was like (laughs) you know if we play back the tape you'll see this moment where i'm like wait Fourteen percent? I couldn't make that make any sense because I was right. like, "Yes, yeah, fourteen minutes, minutes, minutes would out of an hour, two hours." Because there's a hundred minutes, minutes in an hour. Like hours work like the right. metric system somehow.
1: Exactly. They exactly.
0: Don't, obviously, It can so start. I did get fucking caught up on up. that for a moment, but even before that, I'd say, if you said this person is in fourteen percent of a movie, I would be like, "That's not like the lead, but that's a substantial portion of a movie." It, Whereas if you say 16 minutes, I'm like, that's pretty much nothing. That's hmm. just my own bias, man. That's all I'm saying.
1: No, I get it. I get it. Well, we'll stick to 16 minutes then. That's not a lot for a...
0: No, it's not. I mean,
1: how 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 long was the movie? I mean... It's gotta be going on two hours. Yeah.
0: And all his scenes were in that jail, right? They didn't do it. Did they do any? I'm trying to remember.
1: No, remember he's no, he's... Hungry. I mean, I don't think we have to worry about spoilers at this point, but they do oh, yeah, transport they do. They him because whole... he's in the whole, like, cage within the room, and then he is kind of, like, slamming around. I mean, he's out. He's at the airport in the hangar. He's slamming around throughout the whole jail. At the end, he's on the island having an old friend for dinner. Right, and So right, he's right, around. Right, he's right. around. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, what? how long is that scene? And think about this. Are they counting that whole scene? Because the credits start rolling. It's this incredibly long shot to end that movie where you just see this throng of people on some like Caribbean island or something, and the doctor is like running from Lecter and he thinks he'll be safe out in the remote areas of some ocean island somewhere. And Hannibal's on the phone and he has called Jodie Foster and he says you know, I'm having an old friend for dinner and he hangs up and he kind of wanders off into the crowd after the doctor, kind of disappearing out into the crowd. But that that shot's got to be a minute and a half, two minutes, maybe. Are they counting all of that when the credits are rolling over him, like wandering out into the crowd where you can't even see him? You know, because you would subtract that.
0: Right, right. Yeah, for like, I mean, like, like, well, I impactful think screen time you know you need to you gotta watch that movie get your stopwatch out and count it up
1: it's a pretty great movie Sam or not Scott Glenn is in it Scott
0: Glenn yes I, yes. Put,
1: I, I put him on par with Sam Elliott they're sort of like kissing cousins of the film industry to me somehow I, you know I, I have to put them all in like the Hollywood squares type of compartments going up my wall and the higher-up you are, whatever. They're close to each other on that grid to me. You don't think? Who wins I mean, out then?
0: I guess I'm not sure what you mean by that. I mean, they're both these character actors. They're different. They're, they play different characters. They each have their kind of like archetype character. But they're both these kind of like older, rugged men, no-nonsense men type. So they're similar in that regard. But I think of Scott Glenn more like, like he was in Silence of the Lambs, right? More like a a military guy or a FBI type guy, whereas Sam Elliott is more like a rugged individualist. He's not part of a bureaucracy. Whereas Scott Glenn fits more in like a bureaucracy to me.
1: I get that. I guess part of and the reason why maybe that's a really I, slight Well, I don't know. I think, I think it's but, slight what I'm going to say because I think the reason I had scott glenn and sam elliott so close together is i first knew scott glenn from um the western silverado it's a western with him kevin costner danny glover true so i knew him as more of like a cowboy guy and it wasn't because i didn't i definitely didn't Mm -hmm. see silence of the lambs in the theater so it was a while before i saw that one yeah, I mean, There's a, I th- oh, Jeff the, Goldblum is in Silverado. There's tons of people yeah.
0: in that. Jeff Goldblum. Nothing says cowboy like Jeff Goldblum,
1: right? Well, know maybe in saying? Buckaroo
0: Banzai, that kind of cowboy. He <laughs> he did. See, when I think of Scott Glenn, I think of him as um, Kevin Kline. As both the two things I think of: "Sounds of the Lambs" and "A Hunt for Red October." So that's what kind of. Colors Me.
1: Oh, right. I forgot all about Hunt for Red October. And I have
0: his IMDb up here, and I see he was, like, in backdraft as John Axe. Again, uh, a fireman, you know, in that same type of vein as being a...
1: Right. There is a structure to it. That. There's a hierarchy. Yeah. He's part of that. A little he bit was, of a, right. oddly enough,
0: Scott Glenn. He was in a 1975 TV series entitled... Car- And I say it's entitled that Because it's not just Khan It is spelled K-H-A-N Exclamation point So there was a series Based on William Shatner's uh, Much beloved utterance Some eight years before that even happened That's pretty cool
1: Wait, what do you mean eight years before the... Oh, wait, Because he said that in 1982 or so. I'm just kind of spitballing the air. And and Scott Glenn's line was in 75?
0: It's not his line. It was the name of a TV series. There was a 1975 TV series called
1: Khan! What the hell?
0: Chinese-American private detective Khan investigates crimes from his home base in San Francisco's Chinatown.
1: What the hell?
0: Starring that Evan is, C. Kim, Irene, Ya-Ling Sun, and Vic Tabak.
1: That is the... Do you know he uh, Scott Glenn was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania?
0: I didn't know that, but he, that, he. I can see that. He seems like a product of Pittsburgh in some ways to me.
1: Bit of a yinzer?
0: Bit of it, bit of it.
1: Con TV series. He was only in one episode, though.
0: Yeah, he just played like probably like a bit part in one episode or something.
1: Oh my goodness, I just um, clicked on that episode. He probably even played episode.
0: like a, uh, it was probably some horrible case of like yellow, what is it, what did you call it? like yellow face or something, where they probably, because he played a triad. Right. So did they like, right, right. how was he supposed to be passed off as a
1: They gave Asian. him some sort of shitty spray tan, it's like, okay, you're going to be Asian now.
0: Yeah. George Takei was also in that
1: episode. And he was playing a nice white man probably maybe he was playing the token black man it's like Lots that's of the best tokens. He could do token Lots racial characters
0: back then <laughs> right a different era
1: what, what what are we talking about touch of evil who was it oh. orson wells or something yeah, charlton orson heston was
0: charlton heston as a mexican yeah
1: right charlton heston as a mexican come on now it's the best you can do seriously but yeah 16 minutes of screen time brad best actor Pretty impressive. I'm um. But this is where you my start. You know,
0: this is like opening up because now we're gonna go back, right? Let's count up how many minutes Walter's actually in this thing.
1: Yeah, twenty-two. Uh, I. Mm, I mean, think of all the 22. scenes Walter is not in. I know. I just am doing that now. In the titular Lebowski's room with Bunny. All, all the at stuff Maude's with place, Maud, the nihilists, with the cops, the nihilists. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Well, I mean I don't know about Walter. I can't do it, but the Donnie talks to the stranger at the bowling alley. Donnie's probably in like eight minutes of this movie. But Walter, I'm gonna say sixty to seventy five minutes. I I there's no way.
0: It's where it's this is a this is a
1: oh no.
0: It's worth quantifying I'm gonna, this. I'm gonna say thir- somewhere in the neighborhood of thirty
1: minutes. Is my gonna? Be oh my guess. goodness! I'm just, I'm basically doubling that estimate because I just can't, can't wrap my my mind around thirty minutes of Walter screen it, time. Like I'm thinking of it, man. I'm thinking at, of it.
0: Um, the dude goes to uh, uh, p- Treehorn's place.
1: I know. I know. There's a lot of this. Movie. He's in the limo, you know, two different mm-hmm. limos.
0: <sighs> Careful, man. There's a drink here. Yeah. Looking out my back door. Yeah. But
1: if... think about the diners. Oh, he's in his bathroom. He's at the mm-hmm. Ralph's. Yeah. But I think mean, there's about the, the, the diner. Alley. There's
0: making the drop. There. The diner.
1: The diner. Confronting the, diner. the titular Lebowski. Part. Confronting the nihilists. Right. You say that? I didn't say
0: that. Yeah. Which was an outside uh, the bowling alley scene, but
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna stick with like sixty to seventy five. Uh, I'm gonna
0: say thirty tops. Thirty tops? Yeah. That might be a little bold. Cause yeah I'm gonna say no, I'm gonna say thirty tops.
1: I mean just I bet it's stick really it like
0: twenty five. I mean five extra minutes of uh, leeway there and say thirty tops.
1: Stick to your guns. Be confident. I, I'm i pretty confident in my 60 to 75. I need to narrow that down. You did 30. So I should just give a, what, a, at the most or at the, mi- I should give like a minimum. So 60, minimum 60. Okay. That's what there I'm you saying. Go. You're saying maximum 30.
0: We'll never know uh, who's right because neither of us are, are act- unlazy <laughs> enough to actually like watch the movie and count all the seconds that he's actually in. Now, do we count this like only the time he's on the screen, or do we count an entire
1: scene that includes him? Does it depend on if he's talking when he's not on screen?
0: I so okay.
1: Yeah, because there's the whole Jesus scene. They're both present. I think it's it's screen time. He has to be like on the screen, or his voice needs to be emanating. So, like when they're doing this, is this
0: your homework, Larry? Every time they cut over to the other Larry. I think you stop the stopwatch. You stop the stopwatch for that moment. Right? Don't
1: you? Unless he's talking.
0: You're probably right. That's probably the way to do it. So if you're going to do that, then it's definitely 30 tops.
1: Yeah. See, that changes things.
0: I mean, I'll be willing to change the rules because I was just thinking, how long Mm. are all the scenes that include Walter?
1: I'm saying, right. That's what I was thinking too. It's like the whole Larry Sellers. Those are
0: the rules. How long are the scenes that include Walter? I'm going to say 30 tops.
1: Okay, but here's a wrinkle to that. The Jesus scene, I mean, it's all slow-mo for God knows how long when he's dancing around, and Mm -hmm. they're in that quote-unquote scene, or they're at least in that location, but I would argue that's a different scene. Like, once the Jesus slow-mo stuff stops, or his little dance and his weirdness, then it's a new scene. He starts strutting back over to his table, and then obviously Walter's in that scene, because, no, I would agree.
0: I would agree with that you know, interpretation. But you can't
1: count all the Jesus dancing stuff.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. You can't it's
1: do that. too much, right? Yeah. But then you get into the tricky area of defining where a scene stops and starts. Because to me, even in this minute, at the end of this minute, Walter says, this is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass. And he he actually turns around and says, son, and he has to take two deep breaths. Son. <laughs> Like he's working himself up. Son, (laughs) this is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass. Because he knew he had to like fill his lungs with rage and enough air. Because his, you know, collapsed, Mm -hmm. blackened smoker's lungs can't operate at maximum capacity. So he has to like (laughs) get all like prime his lungish pump. I feel like that's a thing.
0: that John Goodman as an actor would do to make the scene work. Oh, so I feel like yes. in real life, I like I would be so mad that like I wouldn't take those breaths and I'd run I'd be like this is what happens when you, uh, I wouldn't have the breath left. <laughs> like that's what you happens get all to me. Squeaky. A lot. I get so mad I can't even speak, right? Cuz I don't even have you the get breath. It gets squeaky
1: it cracks up and then you have to like go back and like redo a little bit of it and finish it out. But I think I mean, I was agreeing with you. You said that's something John Goodman, the actor, would do. I agree with you, but I think it's something John Goodman, the actor, would do because Walter would have to do it because he's a smoker. Right. That's Get his Walter's genius. hair. <laughs> it's perfect in this scene, though. It's perfect. Yeah. It's just,
0: he, told, he really groomed himself up,
1: put on this suit. Well, he's going to like, meet how the do you man. do that with your hair? I have wondered this. Oh, my goodness. My like his hair, hair is doesn't like,
0: look anything like that in other scenes, right? Well, he wears that bandana, I guess.
1: Yeah, I think it kind of looks like that.
0: Or even... It's, well, the difference is... So, I'm looking back to like around the time when they're talking to the Jesus, and his hair is kind of shorter, and it kind of sticks up of its own accord, whereas in the suit...
1: Like a buzz cut? Yeah. You
0: mean? The suit scene, it's a bit longer, and it's kind of somehow... Like styled, like combed back.
1: Yeah, I see like, what you like, mean. Like some
0: like hairspray or something. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Really very finely brushed backwards.
1: Back. That's like, actually really putting me off now that you mention it. It's, it's very clearly been styled. Walter uh, would not be doing this.
0: No, I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, he put on a suit. This is his. He's been getting fancy.
1: How can you style your hair like that? Is that a type of hair that people have that? Just does that.
0: Well, I mean, look at, well, think one, think about the era we're in. Like, look, look at little Larry's hair. He put some gel in there, make it stick yeah, up. Yeah, but in Walter's front.
1: hair isn't gelled.
0: Oh, it's not gelled, but I think there's definitely, I don't know, maybe hair can kind of go that way naturally. Cause again, it is short and it does kind of stick up. It's just so finely brushed. Like, it's just so perfectly brushed. Like, he brushed do, it and used extra conditioner in the shower.
1: Do you think that it was? an era of bouffants early 90s um is that what you're insinuating uh,
0: i guess i'm not sure what a bouffant is i usually just think of that as like the 50s hairstyle where it's like really put up
1: was well, like, like male high, bouffants high, high.
0: but the, i mean granted there's a lot of definitely the 90s was an era of like styling
1: hair both male and female yeah. very peacockery little, little over the top literally Yes. I don't know. I think this is like, maybe this was the era of male bouffants. Could be. Well, I just sent you the word bouffant. You,
0: you did send me the word. That's good. That's helpful.
1: <laughs> that's helpful. That's a, that's a good place to start. And Helps you me can concentrate. Google to your <laughs> heart's content.
0: Like, maybe I don't know what the word means.
1: Well, I mean, I'm it means high sure hair, it right? It's just high hair. <laughs> well, I sent you the word. It
0: says it's a hair. mainstream hairstyle in the mid to late 18th century in Western Europe.
1: By hair raised high on the head and hanging down Marie on the sides. Antoinette. Okay, so there's none hanging down on the sides. So it doesn't work.
0: Right, I see But that's now. why it's a
1: male bouffant. It's a male bouffant.
0: Right. To puff.
1: Yeah. Or puff out. His hair is very right. puffy, Walter's hair. Very puffy.
0: Pompadour. Yeah, okay. That's, that's like, like an Elvis even, thing. kind of like, well.
1: It's like I mean, Elvis goes yeah, up Elvis. and then comes. Bleh, it's all it is. Rakish. So it might
0: sound strange, but I'm going to say Walter's hair, it does seem kind of like, this might be very bizarre. It seems like a very short pompadour. I don't know if that makes any sense.
1: Maybe, but isn't that supposed to go to one side or the other? Or not necessarily? Could be a very short sure. pompadour. It does say here the styles become popular among Italian
0: Americans and the Goomba or Guido subculture.
1: Citation oh. needed. <laughs> Cite- <laughs> I Thank do think you. that does
0: need a citation.
1: I believe that should need a citation. <laughs> the background of the Wikipedia pi- or the IMDB page for con exclamation point, the T V series. Mm-hmm is True Detective, which I guess is available on Blu-ray, maybe?
0: Wait, what? Say that again? It's a background. It's,
1: I'm looking at the IMDb page for
0: CON,
1: the television yes. show. But the background for IMDb is an advertisement for True Detective uh, on Blu-ray.
0: Yeah, I don't have that on mine. Mm. They, you know, they target these ads. I have, I get a $150 yeah. Amazon gift card when you upgrade to DirecTV ad.
1: You have a... Only wear shirts? We've got some comfortable ones for you exclamation mark. How comfortable is your shirt, Brad? Um, it's
0: really, really comfortable. My shirt is Why is it so comfortable? It's just comfortable. Why is it so comfortable? I don't know. It's like I never really felt I never is realized a shirt
1: could be comfortable like this until today. Is it a fisherman's shirt that's made out of uh, this material that wicks away moisture and has various pouches and Air inlets and outlets.
0: No, it's not.
1: Okay, what is it? What is it made out of?
0: It's Jesus. I don't know. What do I look like? A textile (laughs) man. A sartorial
1: what have you?
0: It's just this kind of like I believe you call it like a like a Henley style shirt, but it has kind of like a really soft
1: dirty laundry then. Basically. padding
0: in it that kind right. is like warm warming and really soft
1: so it's a wintertime shirt
0: it is kind of a wintertime shirt yes and it's a shirt that i don't normally wear but i kind of pulled it out of the closet give a link give a link it for it this kind i was of like shirt? shit this is good
1: henley shirt
0: henley, shirt. henley. A Henley shirt is a collarless men's pullover shirt characterized by a 10-centimeter long, 3.9-inch placket beneath the round neckline, usually having two to five buttons. It essentially resembles a collarless polo shirt. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. They were so named because this particular tireless shirt was the traditional uniform of Don Henley. Stop it.
1: you serious?
0: I wish I was.
1: Damn it! You got me, you son of a bitch. I fucking hate I actually went. <laughs> I hate the fucking Eagles. Isn't it? I hate the fucking yeah, Eagles. Yeah, no, you're right.
0: You always have me beat on that shit. Yeah.
1: Get the book out of my cap. <laughs> what Don else? Uh,
0: here. Donald Hugh something. Don Henley is an American singer, lyricist, producer, and drummer... <laughs> best known as a founding member of the Eagles before launching this, a successful line of polo shirts.
1: This is what this show has resorted to? We reading read Wikipedia from, entries? This is, I mean, how many episodes... Brad episode and Adam
0: in? read from Wikipedia.
1: Here's another exercise we need to perform. What percentage of the show is Brad and Adam reading from Wikipedia entries directly? I'd say 14 to 16%. We're going to win a fucking Academy Award, Brad. I have a visual note, and I may have covered it last episode. I didn't bother to check because it was like six months ago. I just wanted to mention the framing for a second. Mm -hmm. And they're doing something that I always talk about how that's not what I would have done. I would set up the camera and frame these people this way, Mm -hmm. do the reverse shot, see the person they're talking to, frame them this way. And I never get it right but I feel like if I was shooting this scene and I had the dude and Walter sitting there, I would have them framed about like this, and then when you cut to little Larry Sellers by himself in the frame, I feel like in previous scenes they probably would have had Larry Sellers like dead center or something weird, but I feel like he's just to the left of center, which makes sense because he's the eye lines match and he's a little on the left side of the frame that's how I would have done that so when you cut back and forth between the two shots you got Walter and the dude and little Larry Sellers face is still kind of between them in the space between them so your eye doesn't have to work too hard to track it Mm -hmm. but he is just left instead of being dead center like they've done a couple of times which has really weirded me out and I'm trying to figure out why But this leads me to believe maybe that was a mistake in earlier scenes. Like when Donnie came running up, hey, they posted the results of the whatever, you know, and they're cutting from the dude and Walter to Donnie. Donnie was like, you mentioned this. He's just like framed dead center right in the middle of the screen. Weird. They're not doing that here.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Is there, what's the difference? Well,
0: I think something else happens. There's some psychological effect because the way that they are. So it's like this one, it's kind of like this 180 degree rule, isn't it? Effect here because when I look at it, like my brain does this weird. So even though physically, like he's in the same, occupying the same space on the frame, more akin to where John Goodman is, I associate where he is. My mind is able to do the transformation to associate him being more like on the side Jeff Bridges is. Because you're turning 180 degrees. I don't know if I'm doing a good job of explaining that. I don't know what it means well, that's, in terms of what's right or what it does. I just noticed, because like, as you were talking, I was looking at this screen and looking at this shot. And I kept thinking, like, because you kept saying he was on the the um, the left, but I kept saying, like, because they only show him briefly. So I'm trying to figure out, well, is he on the left or right? And I'm like, well, he's on the same side as Jeff Bridges, and Jeff Bridges is on the right. But then I could like, kind of put my finger on the screen where he right. was and see that he was where John Goodman was, and that was really confusing me.
1: That is conf- – only if you try to notice it. That's why the 180-degree yeah. rule works so well, because he – little Larry is looking from the left of the screen over to the right of the screen. And the dude is looking from the right of the screen over to the left of the screen. So it's as if they're looking at each other. And somehow that makes it easier to track that. (laughs) I don't know why, but they're actually adhering to that rule in this scene. And they I feel like they haven't done that so much in other scenes. And we mentioned before in some other episode that sometimes they totally like throw this rule out the window not the 180 degree rule necessarily you'll still have the characters facing like in this instance little larry would still be facing from left to right and the dude would be facing from right to left but they would put them on the same side of the screen so that thing that you thought was happening which isn't in this scene They'll actually do that. And they do it a lot when they're in cars, like a pickup truck or something. There's one person driving. There's one person way over there in the passenger seat. And they will put them on the same side of the frame. They'll still obey the rule. They'll still be looking the correct ways, same as this scene. But they'll put them on the same side. And sometimes that works. And I don't know why that works. I think I've only seen it in vehicles. For some reason, maybe because the space is so fucking like linear. Mm -hmm. Like, I I don't know. I don't know why that is. We need to ask somebody because I just don't know. But anyway, what's what? So how do you know (laughs) when to break the rule? It's not helping me. They're abiding by it here.
0: I know I'm not helping.
1: I mean, we've got his dad in the background occupying that little space to the left, but that's waiting that this shot even more screen left, you know? talking about little larry now back there in the iron lung you can see the dude's not the dude's his dad's face his head sticking out of the iron lung everything's everything's screen left but then your eyes do shift over to the right they want to make you work does it increase tension does it make you tired does it make you
0: or maybe it does the reverse it just doesn't make you bored it keeps you engaged
1: maybe Maybe. But we also talked about like that a
0: cat watching a like laser pointer pointed at the wall.
1: Maybe. But there was also, you know, you do the stupid overlapping the Portlandia thing, the overlapping dialogue. I work for a company, a company that produces produce, produces prosthetic limbs. We help America feel but be, feel better, you know. Blop 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 faces 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 faces. I told you how that didn't work when you're switching them all over. They had to be pretty much in the same part of the screen, which was right in the center. But maybe I'm just a bad editor. It's a mystery to me, Brad. You're you're shooting pictures on film. Why can't you help me now? Well, because I don't do any
0: editing, any movement from one picture to another. I do one frame. Yes, but you're still relating one
1: thing... But you're still relating one thing to another thing. You still are juxtaposing images. You know, the underlying concepts, the fundamentals
0: I'm juxtaposing. They may be a little forms, different.
1: Well
0: there's a whole extra dimension here, right? That dimension being time and the ability to uh, I ain't
1: juxtaposing arguing that from one you.
0: composition to another.
1: I ain't arguing that with you. But I'm saying the fundamentals must be the same.
0: Well the fundamentals at, fundamental at is their the root. tension between contrast and unity. I think I've said that before. And that's what you yeah, have I, here. You can, it can't all be the same, but it all can be completely different.
1: Right. So you're riding the, rest, the line. What's in between, between there is just art. Too different and too similar. And you're riding that line. You're finding that perfect like harmony. And that's why this works contrast and unity. I just wish we could write it out in better words than that. We gotta get him on the show. The Colin brothers? Yeah. Or at least Roger Deacons.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe preferably Roger Deacons. I'm sure he's he's up in the business most of the time. They wouldn't keep using him otherwise. Alright, I got a couple more things here. All Not right. a whole lot. Um Audio note <sighs> Somebody either farts <laughs> or <laughs> Like, moves on their seat weird at 7208.
0: I will say that if there is a fart here...
1: (laughs) I think it's little Larry. It's either Larry or Walter. And it's probably Larry. Because isn't there plastic over the furniture? Am I making that up? Didn't we see that there was plastic over the furniture?
0: 70... You mean 7108?
1: Yes, I'm sorry. 7108.
0: And 7108. Plastic on... Alright, I'm gonna crank this up so I can...
1: Okay, well, there is plastic on the furniture. I did just rewind, and yes.
0: I really don't hear what you're talking about, but...
1: You gotta gotta have the headphones and, like, really crank it up.
0: Yeah, well, I can't probably do that right now without blasting apart the world, but... um, (laughs)
1: Like little Larry just did to the furniture. There's a little... There's a little purr, and it's because they have the furniture covered in plastic. You can hear every little movement. So it's either, like, a little, like... Their pants, somebody's pants rubbing against the plastic, or somebody...
0: But they left. had to foley that in later.
1: Right, but what did, what did it mean? Right. Was it supposed to be a fart joke, or was it just like motivating the plastic on the furniture?
0: Well, it will be a very, very subtle fart joke, since so, I think you might be the first human to uncover it.
1: Well, fart jokes are generally pretty subtle, aren't they? Aren't they the, um, what, are, what's, what do they call That's it, the gentleman's true. humor? The gentleman's humor? We've got another nice sound continuing with the audio notes to punctuate the end of this scene and pretty much the end of this minute where just after Walter says, this is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass, we cut to outside and bam, he kicks open those little weird uh, iron metal gate, gate screen doors that they have out there. Bam! Bam! And that kind of punctuates the end of the scene. I also wanted to mention that at right after Walter says, you're killing your father, he like turns his head and kind of raises his eyebrows like, okay, I can't get to you. The dude can't get to you. We can't intimidate you, but I know that you will be sorry because you're killing your legendary father, the screenwriter, Arthur Digby Sellers. You can't be that cold to not care that you're killing I mean, maybe I father. don't know
0: if he says if that's really what was going through his mind. I mean, I think it's more like that's really just coming from Walter's point of view. Like, Walter holds Arthur Digby Sellers in such high regard that he's offended at how much of a loser the son is.
1: Well, right, that's what I'm saying, and it's like, come on, don't you get it? You can't be this big of a loser. Look at your father. He is a great man.
0: But I don't think that line is motivated by, like, a calculation of, I'm going to say something to really get Larry, as much as it's pure, raw passion on the side of Walter.
1: It's just purely internal for him? Yeah. And his love of ADS?
0: Just the whole situation, right? His love of ADS, his anger at Larry, the whole thing.
1: So it's just raw emotion.
0: Yeah. Or at least it's...
1: I don't know, because... 80% emotion. Maybe. He keeps looking over there, too. Especially when he starts to get too worked up, and starts cussing a little bit. Mm-hmm. He, he's kind of glancing over at the iron lung, where ADS is encapsulated. Like he's, yeah. he's kind of embarrassed to be... He doesn't want to make a fool of himself and berate his son too much, because he doesn't want to overstep his bounds, but... Well,
0: yeah. Well, or is he looking there because it was part of what he wants to do is impress Arthur Digby Sellers, and do the thing that Arthur Digby can't do since he has health problems.
1: He's playing surrogate father Which for is, ads. Gonna,
0: like, yeah, put this kid in his place. <laughs> give him a, you know, give him some fatherly uh, treatment here.
1: <laughs> How can we answer that? Who would even know at this point? That is probably there's no in-
0: answer though. It's just all interpretation, right? And that's what makes a movie fun.
1: But here's the thing: if you, if, if you managed to corral John Goodman as he was coming off the, the set, right, from that take, and say, "Hey, what was going on there?" Because I don't even know if that was Joel and Ethan. That's probably just Walter like internalizing it, or maybe not. Who knows? But you could corral one of them, and be like, "Okay, what was?" What was the deal there? How did you play that and why? Then there would have been an answer, but we are temporarily out of luck, I think. Because nobody remembers that little nuance of a scene and why they played it that way, I don't think, at this point. Unless there's some behind-the-scenes movie, which I don't think there is. <sighs> nobody knows. It's unknowable, Brad.
0: Yeah, I'm fine with that. I think someone might know, but I'm, happy, I'm fine with me personally never knowing. I'm just going to go on believing what I believe and be happy.
1: Mm. Oh. That that sounds very enticing. The dude says we're going to cut your dick off, Larry. Yes. (laughs) That's something. I
0: mean. He's threatening castration. Are we going to split the hairs here? He's
1: threatening fucking castration. As many times as I've watched this, I never really focused on it too much. But I always, in the back of my mind, assumed that he said, they were threatening castration. Yeah. Like, you don't know. Cut your dick off. Right. You better give me the money back because there's people out there that might cut your dick off. Right. I mean, but I he listened say, to
0: it multiple times to be clear. Is he saying, we're going to cut your dick off or they're going to cut your dick off? And he's saying, we're going to cut your dick off, Larry. And pretty that sure. That's how it's captioned.
1: And it, they do caption it that way? Yeah. Not that that's the end all be all, but no. He says, we're going to cut your dick off, Larry. Now, I don't know about you, but where I come from, and that's central Pennsylvania, we don't practice the Zen lifestyle like that. Well it's eastern Pennsylvania. But No. No,
0: definitely not. And
1: even there, even in the Lord of the Fly society that is eastern and northeastern Pennsylvania, the Poconos, even we don't practice the Zen lifestyle like that. We don't go around threatening castration. Especially to a minor.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: This is what makes me uncomfortable about this scene. I don't know that that really struck home to me, because probably the last time I watched this movie, I didn't have a child who was near this age. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, obviously you you get dorkier and dorkier the older you get and the older your children get. But now it's like I'm really uncomfortable by these grown-ass, you know, kind of old men, like, Threatening this child,
0: <laughs> right? Well, it's something that you don't
1: because it's just funny, ha ha, it's ha. just
0: Funny, but then but again, when you start to slow it down, like we have, and really think about it's it, awful. yeah, it's pretty. It's insane. Awful. But also, John Goodman 1991... says,
1: "This is <laughs> this is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass after the dude just threatened <laughs> to cut his dick off." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know it causes emotional responses like that sneezing
0: hmm exactly.
1: So you're saying 1991, this shit was just they for There were a little more rocks about that. <laughs> Not but, to the Jesus. Well, no, I mean... I guess they stopped short of exposing themselves.
0: Exactly. And still, you know, even with the Jesus, they're still letting him go play bowling and shit. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Whereas now I think he might just be disappeared right. you know, for good.
1: Life in prison, no parole.
0: Look, Larry, have you ever heard of Vietnam...
1: The dude is so exasperated.
0: (laughs) You are entering a world of pain, son. (laughs) Yeah, they're saying, and the fucking money. We're going to cut your dick off, Larry. This is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass. Yeah, they're.
1: You know, Walter had forgotten completely about the money at that point. I think you're right. Again, you win. You win. I concede. He is showing off for. ADS, and he doesn't even give a shit about the money. He's just like, I can I can be strong for you, Arthur. Art, as I call you. Oh, yeah. Oh, and the money. And the fucking money. It's like he doesn't even remember why they're there. That's the only reason they're there. Mm-hmm. It's the fucking money.
0: Well, again, everything happens here so quickly. I didn't notice how Walter... That I, never no- I mean, I never really processed it, right? No, I never really noticed it fully, right? Or was able to take the time to appreciate it. Just how Walter, you know, he kind of does one of his things here where he, he doubles back. Because he says... Um, what do
1: you mean doubles back?
0: Well, he's like, uh, you're entering a world of pain, son. We know that this is your homework. We know that you stole the car. And the fucking money. And we know that this is your homework. He doubles back with the homework? He says the homework twice again, just kind of loses track of his, you know, what he's doing. And again, I think that's the kind of thing that in a lot of movies would be played as like a primary joke. It would be a big laugh line. Where here, it's just, again, it's like a more like a pickup line that you don't even notice is there. Hmm. Because so many other things are happening. And -hmm. the humor is much more character-driven.
1: And subtle, which is probably why this movie doesn't resonate with most people upon first viewing. Yeah, good pickup. Like and that. like
0: when the when uh, Walter is like, and you're killing your father, Larry, and there's like a beat, just a little beat. The two of them, they're leaned forward, both with these like scowls on their faces. <laughs> it's just perfect. That's a great freaking. You can pull a frame for, out of that beat. It's just a great, would be great frame.
1: I'm not convinced that this homework that he's got in the bag is the same one. I think they had multiple homework props. It just... Could be. Could be. I'm looking for the use a dictionary in this, and it's all like slurred out. It's all like sloppy there on the left-hand side. Do you
0: think that's even his homework? What do you mean? I mean, the dude found the homework in the car. Walter comes back and says, I figured it out. It's this guy. That lives at this address. Do you think Walter has any chance of actually being correct?
1: Like this might not be Larry Sellers? Or. Pilar does call him Larry. I think it is
0: Larry Sellers. But it's not the same Larry Sellers that did the homework. Or.
1: I don't know. Larry's acting like a bit of a punk. I always assumed, yes, it's the right kid. But he knows they can't touch him. He's a kid. They can threaten castration all they want. but.
0: Well, like I said, I never viewed him as being a punk. Granted, when he comes I ultimately I'm gonna agree with you and say he is being a punk. I never viewed this scene that way, though. Um he does seem like a punk in the shot where he walks past them to sit down. Totally. And he's not Big-time responding punk. at all. But his not response, he doesn't seem like a not response, like a, a punky non response, as much as it just seems kind of like a like what the hell am I supposed to say to these two insane people? Okay. Kind of. It's more like a comedic non-response.
1: Combined with the punky walk, though?
0: No, the punky walk says so,
1: That's why I'm saying I agree with you. If it was just the non-response, and he walked out like a normal nervous kid because these weird-ass adults that aren't exactly the police are right. bracing him and he's by himself, he'd be nervous and he's not at all because he knows... He's a punk combined with. Yeah. He's punk. But yeah, if it was just him and he's all nervousy but not talking, sure. But then that wouldn't have worked because then he would have seemed vulnerable. And then the dude threatening to cut his penis off wouldn't have come across like a joke. It would have been um, horrible or something. Terrible. Illegal. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, even. When the Walter is smashing the car, and they show Larry in the window just looking at, it, it's just as kind of like non-responsive.
1: Because he knows he's got him. He he doesn't give a shit. Yeah. He knows they they don't they don't got shit. He's a you know he's a criminal, Brad. He's been stealing cars for like two years now, probably. Where's the fucking money, you little brat? He's just. But again, the there.
0: non-response is also because it is kind of a non sequitur because he doesn't have any money. The car, he doesn't know what they're talking about. I mean, he could maybe think of the car that he stole if he did, in fact, steal it.
1: And they do have his homework, Brad.
0: They do have his homework.
1: But imagine... But maybe he threw his homework in the gutter on his way back from school and some homeless person picked it up to wipe his ass with or something.
0: Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that could have happened, right?
1: The same guy that, you know, used it as a toilet, used the car as a toilet, or slept in it, moved on. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. He, like, used those papers. He would shove them
1: into his clothes for warmth. So he left one of them behind. You're saying it's possible that little Larry is, like, a fake punk, a funk.
0: Well, I'm going to say, even if Larry is a punk and he did steal the car and steals cars a lot, two strange dudes show up and are like, is this your homework? My first thought isn't like, oh, this is the guy I stole the car from. (laughs) Right. Like, is this your homework? We know about the money. Like, it's just like, what the f- okay, what the hell's going on? Then he so starts you're- saying, This is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass and start smashing a random car on the street.
1: Your theory like, is think that of
0: it from his point of view, right? He
1: does not associate these two with that junker car that he rammed into an abutment. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay.
1: That's your theory that you're putting out there.
0: It's a theory, right? I mean, I just don't know, right? Or maybe he's like, well, maybe this is somehow related, but they're also talking about money and they're smashing this sports car on the street. Like, what? Like, yeah, huh. maybe not.
1: Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I mean I'm mean, i hearing you. I'm hearing you. I like it. I like it. I never thought about it that way. I like it. I don't know if I believe it, but I like it. Alright, do we have anything else? I got nothing else. Shit.
0: I think it's a good point to, uh...
1: Just put a little sign on the door so my co- co-workers don't come onto the poop deck every day. Jesus, why do they follow me? Get them out of my life,
0: Brad. You need your private poop cabin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Next time on... Gutterball!
0: You see what happens, Larry? You see what happens, Larry?